Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific shares are starting the month off on an uncertain note. This follows a mixed session in the U.S. overnight. Seoul is trading higher, up about three-quarters of a percent in early trade, but Tokyo and Sydney are in the red. In the U.S., stocks recorded their fifth straight monthly gain, but the Dow and S&P 500 both finished lower on the day. Joining me now to discuss what September has in store for investors is Ryan Huang. How are you doing this Tuesday, Ryan? Hey, it seems like so much has gone by and it's only Tuesday, but... Let's get on with it. First day of a whole new month. So, August was a pretty good month for U.S. stocks. In fact, one of the best Augusts since the 1980s. The S&P 500 and the Dow chalked up gains of more than 7%. Ryan, what does September traditionally hold for investors? And do analysts think that this year will be a typical September? Yeah, so in a typical... I guess, um, looking back at previous patterns, September is typically a weak month. And that's because it is the onset of uh, winter. There's also a bit of a gap between the earnings season. So in terms of news flow and catalysts, there is a bit of a vacuum. So that is one reason perhaps why it has often been a weak month. If you look at previous performance records, on average, it is down by 0.5% on the S&P 500. And that is since World War II. But saying that, 2020 has turned out to be very different from previous years. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've, cu- we've just coming off what you've talked about, a strong August. And August, going by history, is supposed to be a flat month. And we didn't get that. So there is some momentum building from August. And you also have a very different year this year because you've got the presidential elections. So that could also be more reason to boost all sell markets. You also have COVID-19. So you also have policies around that. Vaccines that could help boost market sentiment. Um, Even the Congress in the US is negotiating another stimulus package. So that could be another boost for markets. And September has also a couple of things to look out for. In the middle of the month, you've got the FOMC. They will be discussing their new approach towards inflation. So that could be another sign or more signals for the market to take on and digest that rates could be even longer, could be low for even longer if that can be even possible. So that is something uh, markets will be looking forward to in the month of September. Quite eventful. Absolutely. September 15th and 16th, when we get more details on what averaging inflation really means, there was no formula given out, uh, you know, in terms of how this average is calculated. So I think markets will be looking for details there. Here in Singapore, in Parliament yesterday, one MP made a call to extend higher minimum wage requirements for foreign hires to more sectors, similar to what the government announced for the finance sector just last week. Patrick Tate has argued that there should be higher salary rules for infocom technology and professional services as well. The Business Times has a story about this this morning. What has the reaction to Tay's proposal been from the business community, right? Yeah, a couple of choice quotes in the Business Times. And if you look at one coming through from Christopher Quack, he is the managing partner of Thrive and he has invested in some ICT startups. He is saying, to me, this seems like a situation of cutting off one's nose to spite the face. And he's saying that because the ICT sector requires very specialized talent in things like AI, 
cybersecurity, data analytics. And he says schools here just don't supply enough talent in those spaces. So it is not possible in most or many situations to make up for foreign talent with local talent. So that's why he's saying. And also angel investor Lim De Sheng, he's also saying you need to weed out the bad actors, so to speak, so the bad apples from the other companies who are doing a good job. So that is something to think about when you look at how to roll out policy. And what's worth noting as well is if you look at this um, additional suggestions that are coming through, uh, there's this um, existing watch list that calls out companies who are not um, doing their part and discriminating against local talent. They are saying, make this watch list public. Mm. So there is a potential reputational loss to companies as well. So that could incentivize them to do the right thing. So all in, it is a bit of a balancing act. So that is going to be one to kind of figure out how much do you raise the levels and for each sector, how much is required and does it work for all the sectors? Interesting, yeah. Difficult to walk that line as well between, you know, being overly protectionist and social justice as well. All right, relations between China and Australia have taken a turn for the worse. Chinese authorities have detained an Australian TV anchor who is working at a Chinese government-run station. China is Australia's largest trading partner. The two countries have been at loggerheads in recent months over everything from 5G to Australian wines. Has this latest incident, the detention of the Australian TV anchor affected Aussie markets? Okay, going by what we are seeing this morning, maybe yes. And that's because Australian markets are down by nearly 2%. So I'm not sure if that can be fully attributed to this. Um, Right now, the drag is from the energy sector. And if you look at what's been happening between Australia and China, a lot of things like you pointed out, we've got 5G. Uh, We've even got the accusation that Australia is dumping cheap wine in the Chinese market. So that is still being uh, disputed. And you also have um, this week, Australia going to legislate foreign veto powers against foreign ownership. And this targets the Belt and Road Initiative initiative contracts that Victoria State has um, been has signed before. So that is another uh, torn amidst the ongoing uh, issue. And you also have um, COVID-19, that accusation from Australia that China has covered up to some extent the severity and the timelines to what happened. So there is this rising tension between Australia and China. And of course, China is a big trading partner for Australia. So there is this potential for things to fall apart in terms of trade. So that is one thing to look out for. And if you look at Australia, though, there is a interesting, I guess, dynamic happening with the Australian dollar right now. So last week, you had the Jackson Hole Symposium where we had the signal that the Fed is going to keep rates low for longer. That in turn lifted the Australian dollar so much so that it is now on parity with the Sing dollar and is now trading at one. And this is the highest levels in nearly 20 months. But with this China issue in the background, maybe that could weigh on the Australian dollar. So that would be something to watch out for when we get the RBA rate decision at 12.30 p.m. later today. So maybe they could address some of what's going on at the uh, meeting later. All right. It is now time for a game of up 
or down? I give you an asset class, Ryan, or an economic indicator, and you tell me which way it's moving, up or down. Okay, Are you ready? Okay, let's go. All right, Chinese exports. All right, Chinese exports. Going by yesterday's PMI, PMI numbers, we still saw expansion, and mm-hmm. later at 9.45, we will see another glimpse of data signaling possible expansion. So exports should be going up because the Chinese recovery picture seems to be on track. Indeed. Despite the US-China trade war and the broad tariffs that have come with it, uh, July saw China's exports on a roar, moving to their highest, second highest level ever, nearly matching the record-setting Christmas rush last December. Also, China has grabbed a much larger share of global markets mm. in these past few months from other manufacturing nations. And it's worth noting that purchases of home furnishings like stereos and computer screens, more people at home, right, helped fuel the surge, as did demand for medical supplies. All right, next on our list, South Korean exports. Yeah, so maybe that market share is at the expense of Korea. So you've got, I think, recent indicators showing Korea's uh, trade. It is down. And looking at the trade numbers this morning, we saw a dip of 9.9% for exports. Uh, Not as bad as what people were looking out for, but still down. So I think GDP is down. Absolutely right. Such a different picture in South Korea compared to China. Exports in South Korea fell more than 16% in the second quarter of the year. That's the worst contraction since 1963. Next up, bank lending here in Singapore. Yeah, so bank lending, that is in the headlines for the Business Times and it's quite hard to not miss this. It's down for a fifth month in a row for July. So for banks, it is going to be a tough second half of 2020. You've got lending down, you've got interest rates down. What is going to help support the banks? Yeah, good question. The manufacturing sector in July recorded the sharpest fall in loans and consumer loans were flat. Lots of bad news there. Shares of Apple? All right, shares of Apple, of course, after the 4-to-1 stock split, it is on the up. And, of course, Apple has been on the up for quite some time. For the year, it's up 70%. So um, another reason why the tech space has been on a roar. Yep. That, uh, it's the first day since Apple announced the 441 share split, the first day of trading mm. since that announcement. It's up more than 34% since announcing that stock split one month ago. Next up, shares of Tesla. All right, shares of Tesla. Uh, I think that was a 541 stock split. And mm. the whole idea is to make it more accessible to retail investors. And it seems like that may be working because it was up more than 12%. Indeed, 12.6%. So while Apple was the best performing component of the Dow overnight, look at Tesla. What a jump. 12.6%. It was also the first session of trading for Tesla since announcing that share split. So room to move up, perhaps. Shares of Zoom? All right, Zoom. Everyone's been using Zoom, so it has to go up as well. And I think uh, looking at the headlines, revenue quadrupled. So really doing well, Zoom. Yeah, Zoom made as much money in three months as it did in all of 2019. Gosh, its shares shot up more than 20% in after-hours trade. Let's check in with local stocks now, Ryan. The Straits Times Index finished marginally lower yesterday, but managed to chalk up a gain of about 2% for the month of August. How is September looking so far? Yeah, quite a, I guess... Flattish month for August, if you look at it that way. Uh, so if you look at what's happening this morning, it is down by 0.6%. And stocks to watch out for, um, besides Exington, which saw its chairman, Evangeline Shen, quitting along with three other directors, uh, that may be in the 
in the news to watch out for. Um, we are looking at banks this morning and they are all down right now. So led by losses in UOB down by 0.8%. And yesterday we had Fitch Ratings saying they are going to be reviewing the credit quality for all these banks on the back of what we've been talking about, lower rates, profitability, and many issues that are plaguing banks. So that is going to put a bit of a dampener and limit their upside in the near future. So that is one to watch out for. Uh, In terms of other losers, you do have sets and capital down more than 1%. So that is what's shaping up markets today. And Jardine's strategic bouncing back slightly from yesterday's losses up by 1.1%. So that's the picture for the STI in the opening minutes. Thanks very much. Ryan Huang there in Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.